This video is all about negotiation. Why you should consider negotiation. What are some of the things that you can commonly try to negotiate for? How you can find out what it might be possible to negotiate for? When and where you should try negotiation? How you should go about negotiation? And a bunch of other tips and tricks for making sure you get the best experience out of your whole negotiation process. So why should you consider negotiation? Well, simply put, it's about getting the best possible deal for yourself. For example, when you move or are considering moving to a new position. Now, what the best possible deal means for you will vary a lot between different people in different circumstances and for different roles. So what I'm going to do in this video is run you through some of the common things you might negotiate for and how you would go about it. So what sort of things can you negotiate for? There are lots of possibilities, but I'll run you through some of the most common ones. Compensation and your overall salary package is obviously one of the primary things considered when you're thinking about negotiation. Now, these can come in a few different guises. First of all, you can negotiate the broad overall level that you would be appointed at in the position that you're considering. But even if you're not considering negotiating that, there are the levels or increments within that broad level that you might consider negotiating for starting at a higher level. For example, to at least match the level of your current role. There are other concepts too, depending on your country and the organization. Concepts like market loadings, where people are paid a percentage extra on top of their salary. Uh, and some academic institutions even have the concept of bonuses, for example, tied to performance around getting certain sort of key outcomes. These are all things that you can consider negotiating for if they're of interest to you. A common point of negotiation is part-time work. Not everyone nowadays wants to work a full-time role in academia. Some people want to work a part-time, for example, a two-day, three-day, four-day-a-week role. This could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe you have a new young family and you want to spend more time with your kids while they're young. Maybe you have an entrepreneurial side business or startup and you want to make sure you can continue dedicating some time to that. Perhaps you just want to spend some time for yourself and continue to indulge one day a week in some sort of personal hobby or pastime. These are all legitimate reasons to consider negotiation around whether you want to work full-time or want to work a part-time role. If you do have a startup, one of the things you might be concerned about is whether you'll be able to continue to pursue that startup without being interfered with by the university or the organization with respect to things like intellectual property. So another thing you can negotiate is the terms around you being able to continue to work on that startup idea. If you're going into a typical academic role which comprises research, teaching and some sort of service component, one of the things that you might consider, especially early career researchers, is negotiating a lighter teaching load for the first one or two years of your role to give you the best possible chance to focus on getting your research lab up and running without having a full load of teaching distracting you from doing so. Running a research lab can be expensive both in terms of cash and resources 
So one of the other things you might negotiate is your startup package. Now, your startup package can consist of lots of things. First of all, it could be funding a certain amount per year. It could also involve funding for large-scale equipment, which is vital to your research. It might have baked-in support for PhD positions or postdoc positions to make sure your lab gets off to the best possible start. For some young researchers, having the chance to work overseas for a sustained period of time is vital for their career development. So one of the other things you might negotiate is the guarantee of an opportunity to do, say, a six-month sabbatical or overseas stay within the first three years of your new role. These are just some of the things you could consider negotiating for. There are lots of others, including things like assistance, financial assistance with your home loan, free or subsidized educational opportunities for your family, and many, many more. Once you've had a think about what you might like to negotiate for, it's important to find out what it will be possible for you to negotiate for, given the specific organization and role that you're considering taking. There's a few important things to realize. The first is that the senior person who is managing or overseeing the interview process or the negotiation process with you is only authorized to give you certain things in the negotiation process. This is a really important point because no matter how awesome you are or you think you are at certain things, there will be some things that the person you're interacting with just simply isn't permitted to give you. Now, in truly exceptional circumstances, the person you're talking to might elevate your request to someone more senior within the organization, but that would be a relatively unusual event. When working out what you might actually be able to negotiate for, there are other issues to consider too. Issues like equity mean that your salary or package can't necessarily be higher than a certain point. And there are other concepts like salary compression where new, more junior staff can't be paid more than more senior staff. And so everyone ends up being paid almost the same amount as people come in. So how can you find out what it might be possible to negotiate for with your specific role at this specific organization? There are three things you can try doing. The first is to read the organization's official constitution or official policy documents. Many of the constraints around compensation and salaries will actually be explicitly written into documents like this. The second thing you can do is talk to people who currently work at the organization or who have worked at the organization relatively recently. The third thing is to get to know HR or human resources recruiters, not necessarily the ones directly involved in this specific role that you're considering, but just ones that you encounter in general when recruiters reach out to you. And they will often share with you the exact parameters of what other people have and haven't been able to negotiate in an anonymous way. The timing of when you should negotiate does vary depending on the role and the organization. If you are talking about a possible industry job, it's often good to establish an idea of the approximate compensation range 
before you go through the arduous interview process. Uh, and this is something you can also do with many academic roles. In terms of specific negotiations, often that will occur after you have been offered the role, but before you have accepted it. Possibly the most important part of the art of negotiation is how you negotiate. There are lots of bad ways to negotiate and a relatively small number of good and effective ways to negotiate. If you haven't had a lot of experience with negotiation or you're relatively shy and quiet, one of the important things to remember is, as always, practice makes perfect. So you can practice your negotiation interactions in front of a mirror or with a friend, colleague or family member. Another key thing to remember in the negotiation process is that if the negotiations go well, these are people you're going to be working alongside on a day-to-day -day basis. And you should always remember that. Even if the negotiations don't go well and you don't end up taking the role, these will still be your colleagues in the discipline. And so it's important to maintain a professional and civil attitude throughout the entire process. At the same time, you shouldn't let that scare you. You should be firm and clear about exactly what your expectations are. Perhaps the most important rule in negotiation is you should never, ever, ever make threats. There's a saying, I don't know who said it, that people who make threats are people who aren't in a position to make threats. And in the terms of negotiation, threats are just not the way to go. So even if it's true that you have another offer on the table and if they can't match it or come close to it, then you'll probably take that other offer. You should never threaten an interviewer with that. So what should you say to make your case? Well, you need to make a compelling case for why you think you deserve what you're negotiating for. A bad example of this would be something simple like, I think I deserve more money, you should give me more money. Not very compelling, unlikely to get you very far in the negotiation process. A much better way to do this would be to say something like this. I really want this job and it's number one on my list. I really like the organization, I really like the role. But I have to think about my family and doing the best by them. I have a young family, I have dreams of buying a house, and I need to make sure that I'm in a financially secure position to do so. Currently, I have this other offer which would enable me to do this, and I understand completely that it's unlikely you could match that offer, but it would be much easier for me and my family if you were able to bridge some of the divide between the two offers. And so I would love to know from you what might be possible. Another very simple example, which is sometimes overlooked, is simply that you currently are appointed at a certain level and you don't want to go backwards from that level in taking this new opportunity. Now, you've negotiated, it looks really promising that they're gonna give you some or all of what you've asked for, your job is done, right? No, wrong. The most important principle of negotiation is you should get it in writing. It's very common that the person that you're negotiating with won't necessarily be there in six or 12 months. And so if all you have is a verbal agreement, 
the chances of what you are offered enduring beyond that six or 12 months that that person is around is always a little shaky. So get it in writing, ideally in an official letter, but even if not in an official letter, an email is much better than some sort of verbal indication. Negotiation is most commonly done at transition points. So when you are moving from one role in one organization to a different role in a different organization, it's when you have the most negotiating power, you are the fresh catch for the organization. They're going to try and hopefully do everything they can do to land you, especially if you are a catch. But at the same time, you can also renegotiate within an organization, even if you've been there a while. It's harder, it's more difficult, but if circumstances change a lot, then it's something else you can consider. So negotiation and renegotiation. At the same time, if you are renegotiating every month, uh, people are probably gonna get sick of that pretty quickly. And so it's something you should do sparingly and only when you have a very good reason to do so. Negotiation is not compulsory by any means. You don't have to do it. You don't have to feel comfortable doing it. But in today's world, it's definitely something you should at least investigate and consider doing and then make an informed choice as to whether this is something you really want to pursue or whether it's something you'd rather not do. Finally, like all other things you do in life, negotiation never has guaranteed success. It's an activity you can engage in. It has some risk, but also some upside. And as long as you treat it as such, then it can be a very rewarding experience for you.